Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. What is business purpose? And should businesses have a purpose besides making money? This conversation peels back the layers on what purpose is. Why business purpose could help things like productivity, your profits, and also the power of making a difference. My social impact pioneer today is a business mentor with a great big helping of real life business experience. He's the author of Intentional Mastery, Step Beyond Your Expertise and Build Better Business. And he's going to be offering us a free purpose audit. Meet social impact pioneer, William Buist. William will share his wisdom and experience with bags of practical insights built up through decades of hard tested work. We're going to explore not only how to develop a business purpose, but also how to embed it, how to lead, how to manage people, and how to unlock the potential of those around you by really deeply understanding where they are on their journey. Without further ado, William, welcome. Hi, Katie. Good to be with you today. Oh, thank you for joining me. So, William, you're really super focused on purpose business purpose, people's purpose, our purpose. I was wondering what brought you to this? What's, what's your journey so far that's come to the conclusion that, that, that this, is your, this is your kind of the, the, the piece that you want to get so focused on in the world? Yeah, thanks, Katie. I, I started my career in the insurance industry. I left university not really knowing what I wanted to do. I, I guess actually like quite a few people, and an opportunity arose to join an insurance company. And I did that. And I had a, a fabulous 25-year career in insurance that ended up working for one of the UK's big high street banks in their insurance division. And in that role, I was responsible for risk management for the insurance division of the bank and uh, the underwriting of the insurance products. And you know, it was, a, it was a big job. I had a lot of people working for me. It's quite stressful. It was very lonely. And I think, you know, you, you, you and I in our conversation before we recorded this touched on how business can be very lonely. And part of what happened in that period of time was that I, I realized that there was a, a, a breakdown between my purpose. I have a strong value of fairness and support for others. And I didn't feel that was being served by the job I was doing. So I took some time to go to my bosses in the in the company and express that concern and together we worked on developing a new purpose within the bank for the insurance division that was much less about how much money we were going to make how many policies we were going to sell how many people we employed or any of those kind of measures and much more about what was the insurance for in the first place it was about protecting people in their hour of need. You know, when your house burns down, you need a roof over your head tonight. 
especially if it's raining and stormy at the same time. You know, it's how do we deal with the real human issues that the insurance companies, because if we got that right, then we'd be the company would people would choose, we would make the money, we would have the employees, we'd sell the policies. You know, all those other measures are secondary to that primary purpose of how do we serve the people that we are insuring? And that was great. And I, you know, I really felt that I got a real success there. But I also realized that it was something that most businesses didn't really have, that that kind of real sense of purpose. And most businesses that I ran across. And that's why I left and set up my own consultancy business, because I wanted to make this that whole process work for as many businesses as I could, not just one. But it's also the fact that you've got that personal experience. You've been on that journey. It's not like you're sort of a, a lofty consultant who's been looking at this sort of world for ages, but you've really been practicing this and you've felt the pain of it not working. And therefore, I wonder how purpose is really business purpose has really evolved, actually. I think it has evolved, and I think and I think it's still evolving as well. There's a lot of pressure, and it's an interesting word, pressure. I, I love the English language and the way that it it kind of guides us just from the words we choose as we speak as well. But that you know, when pressure is something that pushes down on people, and you see that in in businesses all the time, or I do. You know, where there are people who are under a lot of stress, being pushed, being pressed on to perform in some way, to use their their talents and their skills to get a result without being connected to what that result means. And, you know, so it is a bit like a pressure cooker. And and when when you give them the connection to what it really means to the people who are the beneficiaries of whatever it is that business does, it's like taking the weights off the top of the pressure cooker. And, and you, can, you can literally see people standing taller because the pressure comes off. They might work just as hard. You know, it's not that you're saying you have to take the pressure off by, well, don't work on Fridays, although, you know, actually I'm quite a believer in the four-day week uh, for very similar reasons. I think people do want to work hard. It's a natural human thing. But in order to do that, they need to have the other aspects of their life in good harmony too. You can't work seven days a week and be in good harmony with a social life, can you? It wouldn't work. So lots of ways to take the pressure off. And I think businesses have to decide what are the right ways for them to do it. And when you do it in the right way, you don't get less work, you get more. Originally, business, you know, if we go back donkey's years, millennia, it was gatherings of people to support each other and provide the things that some need that others were capable of delivering. And in a lot of ways, that's still true. We're in business one level to make money, but money is the means of transfer. It's it's nothing more than a means of exchange and allowing us to value the skills of one person or one organization against the needs of another. And I think if we keep it that simple, a lot of things fall away that are created by complexity around trying to justify what you're trying to do and i think it's it's really quite simple so then i'm i'm now going to sort of get into the detail then so if we've got the idea that the reason why we've got business is providing a service or 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 a skill to somebody who doesn't have it we've got businesses going around the world we've got at the same time whether they're exacerbated by 
cause or effect, or indeed just sort of sitting alongside. We've got a bunch of environmental, social, so human rights type challenges that we as a global community, or indeed just individuals at a family level, individual level, thinking actually, you know, we've got to do something about this, whether we're looking outside our windows and thinking, you know, the degradation around the environment, we know climate change is coming down the pipe really fast. But also we know that poverty has really exacerbated in the last, well, since the pandemic, even worse than ever. And yet we're hearing in the in the US in particular, there's a pushback from certain places that the idea that investors should be looking at businesses in terms of how are they not only delivering for their bottom line, but also are they thinking about managing their risks, but also the opportunities that sit around managing environmental issues, social issues, or, or governance issues. Is this because the sort of idea of purpose, what business purpose is, to sort of work on getting businesses to really manage it, manage those risks? Have have we gone too far? Are we asking businesses to do too much? Or is this sort of pushback that we're feeling in the US something else? I mean, sometimes it's been sort of labelled as a culture war, but is there something else going on? I'd love your opinion on that. I think I think there is something else going on. And again, I think it's down to complexity because a lot of those things you've mentioned, climate change, plastics, you know, when you break down into the detail, there's how we heat our homes, energy, all sorts of different ways of looking at what are our contributions to climate change. It gets very complicated. And as a result, people and organisations start thinking, I can't affect that. My, what I do doesn't make enough of a difference. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to just worry about doing the bits I need to do. And that isolationism almost, I think, means we end up not taking account of the impact of what we do on the wider uh, aspects of society and the world as a whole. The challenge then is that a lot of those things are not costed into the equation. And we are using money, you know, I described it earlier as a means of exchange, but it's also, it is also a measure of success, which is why the investors are driving businesses to put more profit in for shareholders without thinking about, you know, the true cost of what that business is doing. We're talking, you know, at the moment over the internet, and we're not really thinking about things like all of the servers that are consuming energy to make this conversation possible. And what's our what's our impact on that? And, and of course, as soon as you get down to that really tiny granular level of detail, it does get too difficult to work out what should we be doing. So I think part of that culture war, I don't like that phrase because I don't think it really means anything, but let's just give it a meaning around kind of dividing and being divisive around these people over here are trying to do this thing that is stopping us, these people over there doing something else. So that climate change activists that glue themselves to the road are stopping people getting to work. And that just creates a division because you focus on what their action is rather than what lies behind it, the purpose that lies behind it. So I think we have to get back to a more simplistic way of thinking about simplistic. Interesting. I'm going to stop myself there and just go back. A simpler, not simplistic, but a simpler way of thinking about the impact of what we're doing and why that is important for humanity as a whole, as well as for our customer 
in the moment. And I'm not sure that we, we have, there's an, there is an easy answer to that. I think it's just something to have in our minds all the time. Well, super interesting. And it's interesting also, the piece where, William, you're saying about, you know, that it's so complex, so complicated that you just detract from engaging. I've just focused on my own thing because I don't really get that or it's just it's, it's too big. It's too frightening. And therefore, I was wondering if we go back to that first, the opening question about like business purpose. So where we've got some of those businesses who have a big impact on the communities in which they're operating in, whether for social reasons around a good employee worker pay or whether around environmental impacts. Why do you feel someone listening to this conversation should potentially care about and think about what their business purpose is. Indeed, should they? And how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you start by, you know, getting to the crux of what is your business's purpose if you're sort of um, helicoptered in? Can I give you an example? I worked a few years ago with a training company, and part of the work I was doing was working with the business owner, helping them to develop a really clear statement of what their purpose and mission in life, if you like, was. We spent quite a lot of time talking about their training company. So we spent a lot of time talking about the impact of their training, what it what it does for the people that they train. And they were focused on the aspects of the individual and how their training freed people to be the best that they could be by giving them the tools to use their innate skills giving them the knowledge, giving them the skills and the experience to be able to bring that talent to bear properly in the world and make a difference. And as part of their work, they'd also said that they wanted not just to train people and make money, great though those ambitions are, but also to make a difference to those who were not able to take advantage of the work they were doing, but who desperately needed it. And they looked around at situations around the world. And one of the things they landed on was that in countries like Bangladesh, where there's a lot of poverty and there's rather than four seasons that we have in the UK, they have two seasons, a wet one and a dry one. And and when the monsoons come, the rivers flood and the schooling virtually stops because the classrooms are flooded. So there's nowhere to teach the children. So they put some money uh, into trust and put money in every year into trust to build floating classrooms and pay for teachers in those classrooms in Bangladesh. Their purpose here was that by teaching children in a country where there is less opportunity to learn and certainly you know, high levels of poverty uh, in the environment that they find themselves in, partly because they don't have the teaching, they don't have the means of building businesses and building new lives and making and making the opportunities to grow and develop uh, appear that teaching that giving them the classroom all year round wouldn't just change the life of the children it would change the life of their children too it was a you know multi-generational shift from what was really quite a small contribution to make such a big long-lasting intergenerational difference to me that's the essence of what we're talking about here it's thinking about a relatively easy, relatively small thing to do that has ripples down over time and and makes a difference for a long, long time and to many, many people more than just the ones you help. It's a combination of, back to the original 
piece, like take out the complexity, but at the same time think of scale or think of the kind of longevity of that impact. And therefore, if you're sitting there sort of coaching or working through with practitioners within companies or organizations, how do you go about doing your purpose? How do you go about thinking about it? How do you about go about aligning the business behind the purpose? Or is it the other way around? You know, what are the kind of practical, pragmatic steps that somebody should take? But also, where are the pitfalls? Where What should people not do? Okay, so let's let's start with the, the practical steps. My work has, over the last few years has been around uh, mastery and thinking about how people don't just do what they do, but become experts in what they do, and then go even further and become something larger than that. The mastery piece to me is about the bringing not just knowledge and skill and experience to bear on something, which will get you to being to, to expertise, but to look at the insights you can draw from all the other aspects of your life, all the other things that you do. You know, in my case, I draw a lot of inspiration from, from photography, for example, to bring to bear on my coaching and mentoring work and helping people to see the totality of their talent and how it can be brought to bear, I think helps to give businesses some real focus on their their purpose, what underlies them, but also the, one of the pitfalls there is that if a business aligns its purpose and then kind of tries to tell its people, well, this is what we're here for, I don't think that really works. I think they have to do it with their people collectively as a collaborative exercise and and think about the collective purpose of the group rather than, you know, I can think of, if you think about some of the the big organizations like um you know, some of the supermarkets, they have these wonderful strap lines and phrases that, that supposedly play to their purpose. And yet, when you talk to the individuals in those supermarkets about what they're trying to achieve, they're not really connected to it at all and, and because they haven't been involved in it uh, along the way. So uh, when I did the work with the training company, we involved the whole organisation and I spent time uh, with Um, polls and surveys and things to get their input into what they thought was the important part of their work and of course you get very different views from the finance people as as opposed to the training designers and the sales people and the marketing people very different views but there is an overlap and there's finding the overlap and finding where the common ground is and in that process some of the people who worked there recognized that this was perhaps not a business that was that well aligned to their own personal journey and have moved on. And because that clarity arrived, they were able to now attract people for whom it is much more aligned. And that has helped the business grow and develop as well. So I think it's not a moment in time, something that takes time to develop in the first place. And once you have it, can start driving recruitment, clarifying for the people in the business what they're adding to that and to help them master their own talent in their own area but in a way that is aligned with what the business is seeking to do and then thinking about that you know i can totally imagine that session where you bring together all your workers or numbers of workers and different parts of the business in workshops to work through that the purpose and make sure everybody feels as though they're part of it and they've contributed in various different ways but how do you then to drill that purpose in day in, day out. How do you help leaders? What's your advice, perhaps, and experience to helping leaders 
really kind of lead that whether it's from the front or back I'm, I'm not quite sure what your advice is really but <laughs> but that piece like how do you do it day in day out how do you go about making that continuous ongoing great kind of leadership skills but also perhaps it's about that kind of better supporter for co-workers the community their family like how do you kind of really what's your advice to those in those situations so I think the the challenge here comes back to the journey of mastery that I touched on earlier and that's a kind of five-stage journey and it's important for leaders I think to recognize the journey because their people will, will be at different stages on it and they need a different style of leadership at each stage so that journey quick summary when we know nothing we're explorers we're seeking knowledge as we get that knowledge, we start to learn to do the work, and that's we're building skills at that point, and we're novices. We make lots of mistakes, and that's okay. We expect to because we don't know a lot yet. As the novices build up experience, they become practitioners, and at that stage, they can do the job well in the context they're used to. So if you imagine, you know, if you're in a postal sorting office, you can probably sort letters once you've been doing that for a while and do it really effectively. But if something comes from a country you didn't recognize, you're then thrown a little bit. You have to go and think about what do I do with this one? It's a bit different. So they can do what they do in the context of which they do it really well, but new things throw people off balance. Experts have got lots of experience. That's the next stage. They build experience, become an expert. And then the context is less important because they can cope with whatever the world throws at them. And finally, there's that step to mastery where we're bringing in insights from other aspects of our life. So that's that's the journey. And I think leaders on that journey need to be thinking about their team and the purpose that they're driving to and start saying, okay, if I've got somebody who's an explorer, I need to share my knowledge with them. But if I've got a practitioner, I need to give them opportunities to have more experience in a safe environment. You touched on risk management earlier. I think all leadership at one level is about risk management. So that's that's the kind of first thing is think about where your people are and where their talent is developing and adjust the way that you lead them to give them either knowledge, allow them to hone skills gather new experience or think about the insights they bring to what they're doing to make those transitions. Because ultimately, if we have a team of people who are masters at what they do, the business as a whole with all of that skill and talent now honed to mastery is really going to fly and is, and is also going to be completely aligned with the purpose that they set out with originally. And I think that that is always an underlying or an overarching thread that your purpose gives people the art, the framework in which to build the knowledge, to hone the skills, to gather experience and to get insight. Amazing. I was taking lots of notes there, uh, William, but I happen to know you very kindly up front uh, before we started this conversation, uh, suggested something that you might be able to kind of give some of the tools and insights, maybe even a kind of free business audit to people who are listening to this conversation. So if you are listening, check out the words that sit alongside this and I'll put some links into there as well. And, and William, perhaps we'll come back to that uh, in a bit in terms of uh, what your actual offer is rather than me, me putting the words <laughs> into your mouth. Yes, of course. Thank you. So sticking with your mastery, I mean, you've been looking at this space for, for a long time and I was wondering, given that understanding of different spheres and the, the world as it is, 
What are the biggest trends that you're seeing that others might not be aware of at the moment? Well, I think one of the things, you know, we've talked about poverty in place around the world and, and clearly, you know, at the moment across the whole globe, I think, but there is a lot of chatter about cost of living and inflation, all of those things, which drives poverty in a particular way. But I think there's a deeper way that poverty exists, and that's the the poverty that comes from division in society. And I think my greatest fear, and also I think that my greatest hope, is that we have been in a phase of increasing division all over the world. You know, you look at America with um, you know, uh, alternating uh, parties leading the, the, you know, we won't go into the, the characters themselves, but, and the personalities, but, you know, America seems like a much more divided country now than it did 20 years ago. The UK with Brexit and with the noise from Scotland about independence and so on, again, you know, it feels more divided. And my greatest fear is that that trend continues. But my greatest hope is that I'm also seeing people recognizing and now starting to look at how do we build the bridges? How do we reconnect people? How do we break down the big barriers, the, you know, the big income disparity barriers between the very wealthy and the very poor? And that conversation seems to be getting more traction again. And so my, my hope is that we can move towards a world in which we have you know, less division. And we all, I think, as individuals, have an opportunity to, to play a part in that, to reach out to others uh, who need something that we have that we can give freely and give that thing freely, and to reach out to others too when we need support. And I think you know, one of the things we forget sometimes is that even the wealthiest, even the strongest, even the the most giving, the most generous people at times need support and help themselves. We never know what's going on in somebody else's life unless we are prepared to take time to stop and listen and be open without judgment to whatever is happening in their lives and providing some support and help where we can. And the more that we do that, the more that becomes the way that humanity works. So, you know, our little piece, we do our, a small act of kindness and others see it and see that we become a little mini role model for a moment. And maybe one of those people who sees it does so as well. And now two people are doing it and then four and then eight and then 16. And before you know it, those small acts of kindness add up and change the world. So I think if if we can take responsibility for being kind to others, for breaking down difference, for not reacting and judging when we see that difference thrust upon us too, so that we can temper what the rest of society might accidentally be throwing our way, then we can, we can change the way we are and the way we exist. Oh, you make me hopeful, William. Thank you very much for sharing that. That was really well, inspiring, if nothing else, and um, yeah, passing on those small acts of kindness, kindness, and and make it viral. It's got to be the way forward, and therefore it sort of brings the conversation to a close a little bit. I mean, what do you see is next for you? I'm not a young man anymore. Uh, I've been around a while, <laughs> so so I've uh, you know I've seen over the course of a lifetime, I've seen you know good things happen, bad things happen, many things change, 
but I've also seen some constants. And for me, you know, one of the, th the next things is always to have a focus on my own purpose. And my own purpose lies around supporting those who need support with the talents that I have. You know, I can't support somebody who needs a concert pianist because I'm not a concert pianist. But, you know, when they're running a business and run into a little bit of stickiness and things not quite working, then maybe I can bring an insight that'll unlock that. And, you know, I would happily do that. And obviously, you know, part of that is what I get paid for. We come back to the thing about, you know, money is the means of, of making things flow around. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I would always offer help where I can. And that brings us to the audit that you mentioned. Part of the reason I put that together is because, in my experience, I see many businesses who have got a number of challenges, but they don't know where to focus first. And so what the audit is designed to do is to help you to see where you can make a big difference quickly by taking action, by taking a small action immediately. It's about 10 minutes to fill it in or less than that. And I use the answers along with some other data that the website where you fill it in gives me around how long you've paused on questions and things like that to give me some insights. I produce a report. It's not an automated thing. I, I, I think it's, it's too important to just let a computer work out, oh, I'll spit out this report. So I take a look and I take a look at, at people's LinkedIn profiles and so on, if they have them as well, just to help me form a picture. A lot of the report is templated, but the, the advice, the actions to take come from me. And that's at audit.williambuse.com. And it's one way that I can help to make business flow a bit better for others. And hopefully that makes a difference and ripples out to, to everyone. Well, wow. So anybody listening, that is a massive opportunity. Please do go and take a look at the words that sit alongside this podcast and you will find the link to that uh, audit that William is referring to. Thank you very much for the generosity in sharing that and your wisdom with us today. William, thank you. A pleasure. Thank you very much, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 